0: Coming up today on The Story.
1: In 1968, uh, we had so-called spring, a uh, Prague spring, mm-hmm. and that was crushed by Russian invasion. One day we woke up and the Prague was full of tanks. There were mm. hundreds and hundreds or thousands. I don't remember how many, but the tanks were all over. Then we felt that if we don't leave the country, that's going to kind of be the end of our, not our physical life, but basically our professional life.
0: The Story or G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, as we'll hear today, Pavel and Clara Steiger grew up living under an oppressive communist regime in what was then known as Czechoslovakia. Eventually, they fled the country and ended up in the United States, where they then went on a spiritual journey. This ultimately led to them ministering to people back in their home country without even being there. Pavel and Clara will share their remarkable story with us As they have a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios
2: We have some special guests in the studio today Welcome to the program, Clara and Pavel Steiger Thank you Thank you very much And before we get started, anything you'd like to say about the folk music that we just listened to?
3: Well, the, it's a folk music from Moravian region of uh, Czech Republic, and I just want to say that there are two regions, the Bohemian part of Czech Republic and Moravian part of Czech Republic. And this is from the Moravian part, which is closer to Hungarian border. That's why it is more rhythmic and uh, melancholic, and uh, lots of strings are there. The Czech music would be more brass.
2: Oh, okay. Now, you mentioned Bohemian Part of the country. Now, it's interesting that we were talking before we started the interview. Whenever there is an arty part of a city, you know, where that's where the playwrights and the artists and the musicians hang out, they always say, oh, it's a very bohemian part of town. And that comes from part it, of Czechoslovakia. It
3: basically comes from the, the Czech part of uh, today's Czech Republic. But, but of course, remember that Czechoslovakia was formed after the World War II. So before the what? 1914 or 18, actually 1918, there was no Czechoslovakia. The Czechs were there, of course. The Moravians were there, but it was Austro-Hungarian Empire, and before that, it was uh, Holy Roman Empire, and the kings like the Rudolf II, uh, who was the Habsburg. Actually, he was a little bit. Uh, well, he invited lots of <laughs> artists, he invited lots of scientists, lots of uh, uh, witchcraft people, and so on to Prague. And Prague is the center of uh, Bohemian, of Bohemia, of Bohemian part of uh, of that uh, of that part of the world, and that's why. Prague uh, attracted all these strangers, and actually even the scientists like Johannes Kepler was there, and Tiho Brahe, and actually Casanova is uh, is buried in uh, Czech Republic, what is oh, today. Oh, the famous
2: lover. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. famous
3: lover. So you can see that all these, they were <laughs> attracted there. You know, some kind of, uh, if I may say, like San Francisco of, uh, of the United States, okay? That's hmm. And you're not from the Bohemian side, then? Well, I actually, we are. are. Well, we are Bohemian side. I actually, my father was Moravian, and my mother was Slovak. So I am, you know, I am, I am Czechoslovak, truly. Oh, okay. And but Clara, she's got even more interesting uh, background. I'm
1: I'm even further. My father is from Southern Bohemia, and my mother is from Ukraine. So I go even farther east.
2: Okay. Do you have any artists in your family?
1: Oh. Pavel's brother and my brother-in-law. He is a famous toy collector. He is cartoonist. Oh, okay. He is a movie producer and everything else. He he is well-known personality in, oh, okay. especially of uh, Germany and throughout Europe. He's been publishing all around the world. Excellent. his cartoons and paintings and everything else. So he is the true artist in the family
2: kind of keeping that artistic bohemian tradition going.
1: And he really is very vibrant and kind of immortal man. (laughs) Oh, He has plans for a thousand years to come.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Uh, what a guy. All righty, well, let's find out a little bit more about your background. You obviously grew up in Czechoslovakia. Let's find out what was it like growing up there.
3: Well actually you know it, to make the the history a little bit more complex and complicated I was not born in Czechoslovakia oh. I was born in <laughs> just a second I was born in Prague of course which is however when I was born it was protectorate Bohemia and Moravia because uh, the World War II was going on mm-hmm. so Czechoslovakia did not exist the Hitler actually oh. cancelled the country okay oh. not the land of course but the country was cancelled so I was born in uh, in, a canceled in in, country. Uh, yes. in a cancelled country Czech. I, how However, <laughs> in Prague. Okay. So I grew up over there, as of, of course, as a Czech, and uh, our native tongue, that's how my mother tongue and class mother tongue is Czech. So we do not have any accent in Czech. We have accent, of course, in English. Mm-hmm. And uh, I probably might say that uh, the parents took good care of us. Uh, my, my father, he was the businessman, and it was okay till, uh, let's say, the, the communists took power in 1948. And when they took the power in 1948, Forty-eight. Then my family was expelled from Prague, mm. and I am sure some of our listeners will know it that they were forced to move out of the out of the city. And uh, he was placed to coal mines, and uh, I think it was very heartbreaking on my mother. She basically died prematurely, probably mm. I'm sure, because of broken heart. And uh, it was it was uh, quite a sad story. So in 1950, 52 we were expelled from Prague and uh, to a mining town and basically it conditioned even my uh, my occupation because I later on studied the mining university over there and I became a mining engineer hmm okay and Clara how was it growing up
1: the life under communism was quite difficult for basically every family because uh, the fear of the communism, there was a constant threat that you can become the traitor and so mm. on and end up in the prison or expelled from the town or there are many ways how they could persecute you and kind of keep you uh, the way they wanted to have their citizens to behave. And so it was dark age, mm. kind of grim, grim time to live on because we were living basically like in the cage there was an iron curtain mm. so we could not get anywhere out of the country basically living under the communist rule under the dictatorship so it was it was kind of gloomy life
2: mm. And I imagine spiritually it was dark as well.
1: And spiritually, basically, there was no spiritually at all because Mm. it was kind of dimmed by the communism because communists are atheists. That's Mm -hmm. the number one sign of that. So, uh, as we were growing up and living through our adult age, I would say till my age of 25, I never met a Christian who would stand the biblical definition. There was some religiosity. We were baptized as children or like that, but it was mainly f- by tradition, not by by conscious mind and decision that you mm. are a believer.
3: Yeah, maybe I would like to add to it because I I grew up as a in a Catholic family. I was an altar boy, and then it seems to me that after 1952, the, even the Catholicism somehow faded out. Basically, after I was about 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, uh, I became I would say an atheist mm-hmm. or agnostic, or mm-hmm. I didn't ask. Many questions about it. Okay. And then eventually
2: you left. Tell us about that.
1: Well, in 1968, uh, we had so-called spring, uh, Prague Spring, mm-hmm. and that was crushed by uh, Russian invasion. One day we woke up, that was on the August 21st, and the Prague was full of tanks. There were mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds or thousands. I don't remember how many, but the tanks were all over, mm-hmm. and that was the end of uh, a few months uh, we had of kind of beginning of the freedom and that was a terrible thing which happened basically mm-hmm. everybody was in shock and uh, the Russian soldiers they had no idea where they are they mm. came to help to crush the revolution of course there was no revolution there was just a little bit of more of free environment and so that was the end for us and we felt that if we don't leave the country that's going to kind of be end of our not our physical life, but basically our professional life and Mm. whatsoever. So we decided to leave the country and at that time there was over 100,000 people left. So we were among those who were on time, because uh, about six weeks after we left, the uh, government canceled all the passports and they closed the borders. And that was impossible to leave or to mm. go anywhere. And next 20 years, basically, it was, again, very strict regime of nor- so-called normalization. Yeah, and when we left, uh, we went to Austria. In Austria, we were waiting for five months uh, for our emigration processing and we came to United States in 1970, January of 1970.
3: I would like to add that we had uh, two boys actually, two children mm-hmm. when we left. One was one year old, the other one was two years old. So, so it was, uh, we had uh, just uh, full hands of kids and, yes, uh, and okay. we and burned we just, the bridges. <laughs> and we just left with, uh, do I know if I had maybe five dollars of what it was. Everything. Well,
2: yeah. So you came to the United States?
3: And we came happened. to the United States, and since I was a mining engineer, as I mentioned it before, uh, I got quite quickly a job in a small town in Northern Idaho. So the first five years we spent in Northern Idaho, and uh, it was marvelous. I'll tell you, the people were so nice to us. It was a small town. There is a Lions Club and Rotary Club, and we immediately became their project. Mm-hmm. So they helped us with everything. I, 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 I I couldn't believe, you know, how the those people, of, how yes. the people helped us uh, in uh, in Idaho. And uh, believe it or not, uh, in one week we we had an apartment, and they brought new and even used things. The furniture, they filled up the 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 refrigerator. Mm. We we have even needles since then. And you playing
1: know, cards and everything uh, was there. <laughs>
3: uh, playing cards and everything. So it was really really nice. And was it hard to adapt to... A new country.
1: Well, of course it is hard. The number one was that we came from the large city and we moved into small community of 2000. It oh, was wow. a mining community and it was the northern Idaho was kind of very beautiful by uh, the nature and, and all the attractions which were kind of outdoors style of living, the fishing and hunting and so on, which we were never ever exposed to that. Oh, so okay. it was totally different. But the French of people and their welcome was absolutely marvelous so they just mm. don't, did not leave us alone they were constantly after us and asking the questions and bringing the goods and inviting us for all kind of social things and so on so we had no choice then to adapt and uh, it was the best even for, the, for learning the language because mm-hmm. we did not have any checks around so we were forced, forced to, to yeah. swim <laughs> and it Sink was, or swim. it was yes exactly and it was absolutely marvelous experience
3: and you know actually I probably should uh, mention since we are now on the radio a little episode over there we were in that little town Osborne, Idaho for about do I know maybe three four months so our English was very very limited and uh, we were invited to to see the the studio the local radio just imagine those little towns they have even their radio stations and uh, and we were just chatting you know with our broken English, which is still broken, but we were <laughs> we were chatting with the with the guy just like with you, and we did not realize that he just put us on the air. So all that all that uh, oh. funny talk we we did, you know, it was on the air, and then immediately, absolutely everybody knew us in that little town, you even, know, oh wow. even the next it.
1: town and next town. So we <laughs> we became. Yeah, and yeah, we, <laughs> we didn't
3: know about it, that we were on the air. Absolutely, we didn't know about it. So, I mean, and that was that
1: was kind of funny because everybody. Knew us so when we would walk to the drugstore or to the store, so we would hear all the time, Hi Paul, Hi Clara, and we didn't know who is greeting us. Oh, <laughs>
2: but wow! But it
1: was, it was a really friendly and fun time.
2: So that was kind of uh, the start of your radio career, which we'll talk about
1: <laughs> yes, later. <but> absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that was the first time. <laughs>
0: you're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatabow is chatting with Pavel and Clara Steiger, who are tracing their life journey for us. As we heard, they went on from living under an oppressive communist regime in the former Czechoslovakia to living in a small community in Idaho in the United States. Next, we'll hear about the spiritual journey they went on as well. All that and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. We're continuing with Eric Skadabo chatting with Pavel and Clara Steiger who grew up in what was known as Czechoslovakia and eventually fled the oppressive communist regime there and travelled to the United States where they were welcomed into a small rural community. But as we'll hear, they also began to go on a spiritual journey.
3: We were in the Dutton, Idaho. We were only for five years, the first five years. And then, then in 74, late 74, 1974, I got a new job with Atlantic Richfield Company, which was a huge oil company. And we were moved to Los Angeles. So from Little Town, from one extreme to another extreme. And even though, you know, even in Los Angeles, the people were so nice because when we just parked our moving truck in front of our new house, the lady just across the street, you know, she just welcomed us, and she gave us the key from their home, and I was really at awe. You know? Wow! Yeah. But yeah. this was this was really amazing, even in Los Angeles it happened. Really. Yes. So you know, I, that's that's the Americans at least then, 30 years ago, <laughs> they they were like that. It was an amazing place. But I started working in that company, and when I was about, and we lived basically from weekend to weekend, we grouped up in uh, with the other Czech people around the organization, which is called. Sokol, it means Falcon organization, and we we called and we lived from weekend to weekend. Okay, quite happy. Friday <laughs> Friday evening, we got to the to the Sokol or Falcon uh, uh, hall, and we just chat. And there were young families who had young children, as we had, and we we just chat together, and uh, and we planned trips together. So we were just uh, getting to the countryside and to the mountains and to the national park together, oh, okay. and so on. So we had, I would say and i had pretty good salary we had pretty good life you know and i was i would say secularly speaking quite quite proud of myself you know and uh, i was even my heart was so proud you know then i said you know the teachers you know always said that there will be nothing out of me and now i said who else have let's say the swimming pool now uh, me you know who was supposed to be nobody i have the swimming pool and the teachers <laughs> don't have it see? so i was just puffing up you know yeah Uh, However, I was in my uh, early 30s or Mm mid-30s, and uh, I came to some kind of, uh, I would say, uh, middle-age crisis or whatever, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the middle-age crises were about of this nature. Uh, Well, uh, there was nothing before I was born and uh, there will be nothing after I die so my life actually hangs in the beginning at the end on two nothingnesses if Mm. you will and then of course if not something is in between two nothings or nothingnesses then that something which is my life has no meaning whatsoever Mm. it must be nothing too and uh, you know I was philosophizing this this way and I just uh, said to myself if it is, if my life has no meaning because it starts nowhere and it goes nowhere, then it doesn't make any difference if I am rich or poor, or if I am handsome or ugly, or if I am I don't know uh, healthy or sick if I am a manager of a big company, or if I am a homeless guy basically nothing made sense and uh, well I was on the outside, I was very happy an outgoing guy, but on the inside I was quite, quite crying, nobody but noticed that. I didn't share my feelings with mm-hmm. anybody. And I actually ended up, you know, reading books from Eric von Daniken, you know, some kind of uh, outer space civilizations who planted life over here on this uh, on this earth. And, uh, well, I had the problem only, you know, that uh, if we were made by the green men from Mars or whoever, mm-hmm. uh, or wherever, then who made them? And if the pink men made the green men, who made the pink men? So all the, the whole problem <laughs> actually it was just postponed right. to to endless uh, eternity or so it didn't give me any answer and i ended up with some kind of uh, uh, strange uh, thoughts you know uh, probably what we would call today new age mm-hmm. you know with uh, with those those that stuff and once uh, I I was at lunchtime just uh, rambling Los Angeles downtown and walked in the, into the store with used books and uh, and usually the. the sp- spiritualistic uh, literature is just next to the spiritual literature. And I somehow was looking, of course, at the spiritualistic literature, but my hand went into the spiritual literature and, uh, and I pulled out a book and uh, that book somehow caught my interest and it was a spiritual book and introduced me salvation and Hmm. Christ and I started reading the book and it had lots of uh, references uh, to the Bible. I had a Czech Bible so I read the Czech Bible I got an English Bible it was amazing to me that the both Bibles are the same, even written in different languages, mm. and just studying books and studying the Bibles, Czech and English, I just found myself one day in our bedroom just asking the Lord to come to my heart and uh, forgive my sins. Then mm. I just uh, put the sins uh, on Him, and uh, that's how I became a Christian. And Clara? What did you think of the change that happened in your husband?
1: Well, the women are usually more pragmatic. (laughs) So, (laughs) I thought that uh, I have a crazy man. (laughs) And uh, I reasoned with myself that um, some women have... wife cheaters and woman beaters and so on so I have only crazy men and that's easier to accept than the other two options so more or less I just was hoping that this is one of his uh, philosophical experiments like UFOs and other things Mm -hmm. like that and Mm -hmm. pretty soon that he will kind of wake up from that dream which did not happen and so for a while he went um, looking for the church and he took boys on So I had free half day for myself, which was not so bad. And so that went for several months. And uh, uh, one day he asked me or one Sunday he asked me if I would join them that somebody at work told him about the church he should visit and so on. And I kind of felt that I have nothing better to do. So I said, okay, I will go and be with the family. And uh, that was the Sunday we walked into Grace Community Church in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and John MacArthur is pastor oh, over okay. there. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I've seen the church of such a mm-hmm. large size. They Their Sunday average attendance is about 10,000 people. So it was a major event. And so... We walked in and I was kind of looking carefully around and the people seemed to be quite normal and they mm-hmm. behaved very normal and they were young and vibrant and, and quite happy and so we walked in, we sat down, and uh, there was, uh, of course, the beginning, the choir, which was done very nicely and professionally. It, it was really, really nice. But I said, uh, I was thinking to myself, well, this is not the reason why people are here, because if you have to want to have some kind of cultural event, you go to concerts, theaters, and so on. Mm-hmm. And then came the pastor, and he was teaching uh, from book of Ephesians, the chapter 5, about the role of women in today's mm. society. And oh, there you go. that was a message for me, even though there were many more people, I what I've heard really... Churned me inside. It was it was a shock what I heard, and I did not like what he was saying. But oh. I knew that uh, I should listen, because he was quoting from the Bible. It was not a talk that that you would judge the society and and make conclusions of what you see and what is your opinion or like that. But it was clearly quoting the scripture, and that was really convincing. And it was like in my head there was a red flashing light. You know, saying to me, pay attention, pay the attention, listen carefully, because I could see the life of my mother, I could see my life, my family, and so on. I knew that I'm heading to the dead end, and I better pay attention what I heard and when at the conclusion he said that next week we are going to talk about role of the husband I could hardly wait because (laughs) I knew that he is going to get it (laughs) and basically from that Sunday on it was it was such a strong involvement and commitment and desire and hunger for God's word we were just you know like dry sponge and soaking it Mm. in and it was absolutely marvelous experience
2: So, you both became Christians?
1: Shortly
0: apart, Mm -hmm. maybe three, four months apart. That was part one of Eric Skatabo's conversation with Pavel and Clara Steiger from the Czech Republic, who were tracing their life journey for us. As we just heard, they became Christians while living in the United States in a small community in Idaho. Next time, we'll hear how they'll travel to a completely new part of the world, but through a series of circumstances that God orchestrated, they eventually are able to minister to people back in their home country without even being there. That's all coming up next time. But before we go, it's interesting to note that Pavel and Clara were first set free from living under the oppression of a communist dictatorship. Then, they were also set free from the oppression of sin and death when they became Christians. As the Bible says, "For God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins." Yes, that is good news for all of us that if we put our faith in Jesus, we'll be set free and our sins will be forgiven. Well, if you'd like to pray with someone about being set free and being forgiven, Please give us a call. Our prayer line is 1800 Pray For Me. That's 1800 772 936. We'd love to pray for you on that number, 1800 772 936. Well, until next time, when we'll hear more of Pavel and Clara Steiger's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.
3: Next time on The Story. Immediately when I became a Christian, you know, it was so exciting to me and it was so new to me that I just wanted everyone to know what I know now. And of course the first uh, neighbor to me uh, was our Czech community in Los Angeles. So I started immediately writing a book and uh, then the book actually arrived to the hands of the leader of the Czech broadcasting of Transworld Radio.
0: Pavel and Clara Steiger grew up living under atheistic communism in what was then known as Czechoslovakia. They eventually became Christians in the United States and then, through a series of circumstances that God orchestrated, they began ministering to people back in their home country. We'll hear more of Pavel and Clara's story next time. The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.